0: And welcome to season four of Fill the Well podcast. And as always, I am your host, Apostle Jennifer Harris, based out of St. Louis, Missouri, where the Lord has me planted for this season, plowing and doing what he has deemed for me to do for this particular juncture of my assignment called my life. And as we consider life, From well rested, I believe, from my sabbatical, from my hiatus, from this particular space. I have been digging into Ecclesiastes. And I believe I spoke about this last season that Ecclesiastes is one of those books of the Bible that as you age, it makes more sense. I am a big believer that there are certain books of the Bible that you will not fully get a grasp of or understand completely or even have a different level of revelation or experience that you can bring to that particular text until you've lived a little while longer until some things have happened to you good and ill and ecclesiastes is i believe one of those books and again i believe i spoke about this last Last season, almost that semester, school's getting ready to start here in St. Louis in a matter of weeks. But what I said last season is, I believe, Ecclesiastes is only about 12 chapters, 12, which seems to be average, right? For most books of the Bible. But at the same time, there is so much here And what Solomon said, I believe, is around the third or fourth chapter, especially in the message version, that we do what we can, again, paraphrasing, to do the most or best with what God gives us, including the hard work of staying alive. And what struck me about that particular phrasing, especially in the Message Bible, because again, I've been reading Ecclesiastes as my devotional, in my devotional time, in the morning for the better part of a month, really before then, because it's it's August now, so I've really been digging into Ecclesiastes since about June. And again, it doesn't matter the version of the Bible you read as long as you read it. It doesn't matter if the app reads to you, That also counts. But the phrase, the hard work of staying alive struck me. And again, I will make sure to leave that text in the show notes or description of this particular podcast. And as I began to meditate on that and chew and chew on that, I recognized that even for all Solomon's wisdom, You see him wrestle with his own, with his own mortality, with his own failings and with his own desperation. Because remember, of all the kings of Israel, Solomon is. Solomon is the only king to have asked God for wisdom. He is the only king who has asked God, the creator of heaven and earth and all things therein, the same God who told his father, David, or, his, or that David records through the Psalms that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And yet at the same time, he is still wrestling with wisdom, because again, wisdom, and he even says wisdom is better when it's paired with money and it's better when you get both when you're young. Again, this is in the, the message translation. But the hard work of staying alive. Now, again, there, are, there will be many people between now and the Lord's return who, who have their own takes that may not be theologically based about suicide, depression, anxiety and mental illness. There will be many people to do much research about why it is you need therapy and prayer. I am a big believer that you can be a believer in God and have a therapist. It is advantageous to have both. And yet, from that, we understand that with all his wisdom, he could not make sense of life and as suddenly and abruptly as the book starts it softly ends it softly ends in chapter 12 where again using the message translation where he says that the best we can do that he said he is convinced that the best life is lived by people who fear god and to do what he ta- and to do what he says to do The wisest man who ever lived said the best thing you could do is just do what God tells you to do. And yet, we go back to the hard work of staying alive. And the thing that struck me the most about that is, staying alive is hard work. It is hard work. We know that God upholds all things by the word of his power and we are all grateful that he does because only he can. And yet with all the many dangers, thorns and snares, the old hymn says, that we have to negotiate on a day-to-day basis The seducing thing about life, especially when all things seem to be breaking in half, is that something will creep up at your back and tell you that, you know, if you were, if you were dead, this would just not be, this wouldn't matter. And don't you want a release from that? Don't you want a release from that? Don't you want to stop going through things? And I know this may be an incredibly touchy subject for, or delicate subject. I don't want to say touchy, an incredibly delicate subject or triggering subject to those of you who may have people in your life who may be dealing with mental illness, who may be, oh, me dealing with depression and anxiety and other, and other weighty issues. And again, I'm going to say it is okay to have God and a therapist. It is okay to have both. There are some of us who are healed instantly, and there are some of us who need help as we go. I'm fond of what um, one of my favorite people on the planet said, and that's actually Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers says, you know, said when, you know, all, when everything bad is happening, look for the helpers. And again, we all know that. Uh, Mr. Rogers was uh, a was a TV personality, but he was always. He, but he was all. But he was also a seminarian. Faith, I believe, guided the majority of what he did. To the point that even when uh, he passed away, and he was interred in his family plot, into his, I think it's his. Grandmother's or great grandmother's uh, family plot. They're, his mother's mother's plot in Pittsburgh, the name over the mausoleum is given. G-I-V-E-N. Or is it? No, it's g G-I-V, i Yeah, G-I-V-I-N. Touch of dyslexia of spelling out loud. And yet at the same time, Therapy is a help. Prayer is a help. God is a help. Even Solomon said, "The hard, again, the phrase, the hard work of staying alive. And I remember the words of the Lord who said, let your heart not be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. And the Bible tells us all the time to not be afraid because of evildoers. Because trust, beloveds, there are things in this life that are so heavy and so bad and can be so overwhelming that death looks better, that giving up looks better, that will take your fight out of you, that will zap the fight out of you, that will remove the love from you. Because sometimes it's just too hard, right? Which is why it's important that you have an anchor. And as the old saints say, or say that, you know, make sure you anchor hold. Because the last thing you want to do is get out here in a world that is anti everything and be washed away because you had nothing on the inside of you to root you to your own life. And again, using the message translation, Solomon said that with, you know, much study, much study wears you out. And also he said that, you know, with a bottle of wine, he sat up and tried to figure out the world. Think about that. The king of Israel tried to figure out the world. To make it make sense. I'm I'm a big believer in what we now, what we see in John 13, I believe the sixth or seventh verse where the Lord says, you don't know what I'm doing now, but soon you will. There are certain things in this life we just will not understand, but we will understand them as we age. And this is a reminder for those of us in leadership or in any leadership capacity. Sometimes you don't have all the answers. And you don't need to have all the answers. Sometimes the people by which are under you or serve with you or serve you for certain, for certain matters or cases. Sometimes you need to remember that you are not God and you cannot be God. That sometimes. People go through things so tough and so big and so deep and so wide that that only God can come in and fix and do and relieve. Quincy Jones said in his uh, in his in the documentary by his life that I, I don't think it may still be on Netflix. And as gifted a composer as he was, well, is because Quincy Jones, as of this recording, is still alive. He's ninety. He said that. You know, you do your eighty percent, and then the last twenty, either last twenty or twenty five percent, you let God step in the room. The hard work of staying alive means that we, 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 as the helpers, right? To use Mister Rogers' phrasing, we as the helpers open the door so God can move. We have to understand, and again, as Ecclesiastes says. We have to be in touch with both sides of an issue. It is not wrong of you as a believing person to have curiosities about the world around you, to be involved in the world around you. If anything, being a Christian means you are you now cannot be ignorant of neither the enemy's devices or the world systems by which you must engage, negotiate and manage there is no part of Christianity that demands that you leave your intelligence at the door, despite what any atheist will tell you or agnostic will tell you. There's no part, there's no part of this that will tell you to leave your intelligence at the door. If anything, it would, it should spark your intelligence to know more. But I could not and still cannot let that particular phrase go the hard work of staying alive, and that goes from, I believe, and in in, again, in, in negotiating and engaging with the text, the hard work of staying alive also goes to how you treat yourself, how you talk to yourself. You know, are you drinking enough water, you're getting enough sleep. How are you eating? Who are you interacting with? Is your job demanding? Are you fulfilled there? It go, it goes. All those things go into your existence, beloved. Not just your life, but your existence. And all of that trickles in and infiltrates how you treat other people and how you do other people. The hard work of staying alive means that you have to be functional and aware in your own reality. You must deal in your own reality. If you cannot, as a Christian, deal in your own reality, you will not be good for anything. That will indeed make you lukewarm. Because you're not engaging with anything. Moons ago, um, I wanted to be a film student, filmmaker. And through this scribal gift, one day, perhaps if it be, if it be up to God and God's will, he'll make those things come to pass. And at the same time, I remember watching this movie, Girl Interrupted, with Ranona Ryder and, um, Angelina Jolie. Again, the quick premise of it or the log line for it is there's a girl who doesn't want to engage in her own life and hides in a mental facility for a year. And as her doctor, I believe it was Dr. Welch, played by Vanessa Redgrave, who's, you know, captivating in whatever movie she's in. When she's asking Winona Ryder, you know, what do you want from your life? You know, so she's, Winona Ryder is very, you know, acclimated to this particular facility. You know, she's taking the meds, she's engaging in risky behaviors with orderlies and the, and, uh, Jared Leto, who's actually in the movie as well, with, uh, you know, again, risky sexual behaviors and just being, you know, a snot to her, to her parents who are only trying to love her as best they can and but she's acclimated to this environment that is inherently not made for people who want something else in their lives and she has lisa played by angelina jolie who tells her that her mental illness is a gift that it lets you see the truth she doesn't want winona ryder to get or in this case uh susanna to get better. She doesn't want her to get better because if she got better, she could re-engage with her life. Now watch this. Dr. Dr. Wick or Dr. she was again played by Vanessa, Vanessa Redgrave in this particular movie. When she asked uh, Susanna, what you want for your life? And she says, and Susanna says, I'm ambivalent. And Vanessa Redgrave again Dr. Wel Dr. Wick Dr. Welch tells her do you know what that means? And this is after Susanna tells her you know it's my new it's my new favorite word. And she says, you know, she when she asks when asked uh, you know do you know what that means? She goes I don't care. And Doctor Wick, Doctor Wick says that you know if it's your favorite word, you should know what it means. And then very viciously, um, biting even, Susanna, Susanna tells her it means I don't care. And not taken aback and not missing a beat, Doctor Wick says something in Latin that basically says, "What wondrous what, what world is this that has such people in it?" Basically. Uh, in what shores of what world so basically where where am i and where are you and she tells her that your that your new favorite word and breaks down the latin roots ambi meaning uh both both and the let no ambi meaning both and dexterous meaning hands so it or hands or figure so she said the word means that you were torn And in that being torn, she tells her and gives her this question. Either, you know, which one will you do? Will you engage in your will you commit yourself to a hospital for life? Or will you go out in the world and reengage it? And looking back now as a 42 year old woman, when I first saw Girl Interrupted when I was in my early 20s. And it's kind of frightening to think that Girl Interrupted is like a 20 year old movie. But in looking at that now from the life experiences that I have before, again, it goes back to what Solomon said, the hard work of staying alive. It means that on some end you're going to have, you're going to have to engage in your own life you're going to have to be present and fight for it you're going to you're going to have to encounter many things and even as Maya Angelou said you may encounter many things and encounter many defeats but you must not be defeated for if you are defeated what else can what else can be gained but let that be your meditation today Yes, being alive is hard work. Yes, there are responsibilities and duties and things that are precarious and dangerous. Things that that make being out of life either disengaged or ambivalent can seem very comforting. And yet, Life is filled with promise and love and joy and beauty and new experiences and failures to learn from, successes to build, platforms to build that you can tell people of how great God is. Your life can be testament and testimony to his grace and his love and his mercy. The hard work of staying alive means that you are going to have to engage in your life in such a way that you open the door for God. That I know people are kind of in an uproar and kind of uh, trying to troll Christians as to as to, um, you know, there being alien life. And if and I've always thought that the, the universe is way too big for us to be the only intelligent life in it is now are aliens a knock to my theology? No. Because if I ever saw one, God is your God, too. So now here we go. And yet at the same time, I choose daily and try to choose daily to to engage in my life. To do the things by which God has directed and asked me to do. Even the things that I'm not sure about, which is why prayer is so important to the life of a believer. It is your release valve. It is your hiding place. It is your secret place. And you can do prayer anywhere You can pray anywhere. You can pray out loud. You can pray in the grocery store. You can pray for people. You can pray in your car. You can do all of that. And as a reminder, as you all know, that this space does intercessory prayer every Friday. And again, that was of the direction of the Lord. But the one thing that needs to be emphasized to you all as you go as you go about your day is that God is for you. He wants you to win. And the best thing you can do as a believer is do what he asks. Like he asks, the first time he asks. Because again, if the wisest man in the world, whoever lived, can say, The best thing you can do as a believer is to is to fear God and do what he tells you. Perhaps that's better than food for thought. Perhaps that is principle laden with power. God bless you.